From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman and joining me today is my first ever guest who was a contestant on The Real World and I'm pretty sure is my first ever guest who's been on a soap opera. He's got claimed to be in the most energetic person in sports media. It's NFL Network and Good Morning Football's Kyle Brandt. Kyle, welcome to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Robert, we're going to start this thing with lies. Are you telling me you've never had Ruthie from Real World Hawaii or Tech or Puck or, for that matter, Susan Lucci or Deidre Hall? I, I, I was fed lies, and I might hang up right now. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 uh, they told you lies about me, Kyle. I apologize. Good Lord. Let's get you some guests. I can hook you up. <laughs> okay, so, uh, oh, boy. So you, you threw me for a loop there. I'll, I'll, I sunk I'll... your battleship. Come on, Simon. Let's go. <laughs> I thought we came to play high-stakes podcast here. What do you got? Okay, so I was uh, I was still in the real world when you were on the yeah. real world, and I'm guessing it's not that odd for you to run into people like me who only know you from your work on Good Morning Football. Sure. Uh, but when you were plotting your Hollywood career, could you ever have imagined having so much fun hosting a daily three-hour show about the NFL? Oh no, man! Because I was supposed to be uh, Captain America. My my daily <laughs> nine-hour shoots was supposed to be with Thor and Iron Man. That was the whole plan. Um, no, listen, the, the real world thing is the best, and I, I, I almost speak about it with pride because one of the things I detest in any level of public figure, even as low as mine, is when they have these taboo topics they don't want to speak about, you know, that's just like, well, that's, I'm past that now, and I, I prefer to focus the conversation more on my current project. It's like when you go to see a band who had a hit in 1991 and they, they're only playing their new album. Like if I'm, if I paid my $16 to see Eve six, when they come to town, they better damn well play inside out. And it better be early in the set list. So believe me, I understand the notoriety of the real world and how interesting it is just this, this weird topic in pop culture. And the fact that I was on it, it's like, I, I have a, I always refer to my real world experience as a life tattoo. Like it doesn't go away. I can try to cover it or I can try to change it, but people are always going to stop and ask me about it. So so I'm more than pleased to talk about it. So, um, you, you know, you strike me and correct me if I'm wrong, but like you just strike me as a person who is going to love life no matter what situation that they get put into. <laughs> but uh, and, and I really mean that like as a as a compliment. But but Thank even you. even given that sort of construct, I really got the feeling that uh, that you and Nashville were, were a match in ways that uh, that not even you maybe were anticipating. Do I have that right? First of all, indulge me again. You, you, I've never heard this. You think that I'm someone who's going to enjoy life no matter what comes at me? Say it again. Just say it. I want to remember it. Say it. So I, you strike me as a person who's going to enjoy whatever situation you're in, no matter what it is, no matter where it is. Yes. I want to I wanna crochet that onto a pillow or something and put it into my living room for Father's Day. That's a really nice thing to say. And, Robert, I know you watch a lot of sports TV and you see a lot of personalities who really run the gamut. So that's nice. That's, that's nice to hear that. I never have thought about that before. Um, I try to have fun no matter what it is. And boy, let me tell you, if you have never spent three hours live talking about the NFL on May 15th, you better try real, real hard. Um, that's what I did this morning. And as it pertains to Nashville, that was easy, man. That was, you know, the fish were jumping into the boat. That fun you did not have to work for. Um, have you ever spent any time there, Robin? Because I think a lot of people who probably watch the draft who are listening now, maybe they've been to a bachelor party, a bachelor, but they probably haven't spent a ton of time. How about you? Yeah, so I have not been in Nashville proper since the 1980s, so I don't feel okay. comfortable speaking to it these days. I can speak to it. It's 
It is. Um, all right. There's two things. If if I could stop life now and go back in time and redo my 20s, I would live in. It'd be a, a two. A, Two bachelor suitors to get me to live in their twenties. It would be Nashville and Austin, Texas, who I think are are brothers or sisters, whatever it is. It's the same deal. Basic rundown for Nashville. What do you want in a city, especially as a young person? You got really cool food, really cool booze, really cool music, and there's sports everywhere. And and frankly, there's a, a, from what I saw, there was a lot of really good looking young people. So that is like hitting for the cycle or the five cycle, whatever it is. Nashville was so easy as a show because it was typically we're in the studio in lower Manhattan and the vibe around where we are isn't exactly celebratory. I mean, we are in, we're there, but we're across the street from the 9-11 Memorial. It's pretty dire actually, even all these years later. The fact that they would be gone to Nashville and just unleashed in, not a bar, Robert, a honky-tonk, which I googled the differences in species, and it's basically the honky-tonk is kind of stinkier, and it's a little bit grosser, but it's cooler. So that was like just, that was um, like the chocolate factory for a few days. It was a really cool experience. So uh, how, how long were you in Nashville with the, uh, you, you were there the whole weekend, right? It was it was like four days. We got there the day before the draft started, and then we went through day three of the draft, which is Saturday. So when you know when all the the third wide receiver from the Wesleyan is being picked, and it's there's a full breakdown from Daniel Jeremiah and Eisen and Schrager. Like we're still there, and I was with Colleen Wolf roaming around with with live mics on Broadway. Um, it was heaven, man. I mean, it was it was really really cool. I, I live in New York now, and I'm not a New York purist. I'm not one of these people, these tryhards who's going to fight you if you want to acknowledge that New York is the capital of the world. I love it fine and everything, but I really felt home in Nashville. So if uh, and I don't want to get you in any trouble at all, but if I, if, if I were to think about starting like some upstart over the top video service and I was looking to recruit people, would I, would I have a leg up if I put my studio in uh, Nashville or, or Austin, Texas? Oh, yeah, man, because it's a bunch of exhibitionists. It's a bunch of drinkers. It's a bunch of live performers. I was walking in and out of bars down there, and, I, I mean, I was actually working, so I wasn't even drinking. It's just every bar had this cool cover band, and everyone was just nailing it. I walked into one, and it wasn't all, whatever, Toby Keith and all the Brooks and Dunn. I walked into one, and there was an all-female cover band, and they were doing You Ought to Know off Jagged Little Pill, and they were bringing the house down, and I didn't even hear the line about going to a theater. It was that good so you got any kind of startup i would say nashville would kick ass so uh, you know i'm sure you hear this all the time but uh what's the secret to your energy um all right my energy just went way down on that question it's <laughs> ironic no um you know it's it, this is not this is not my normal personality i i do get a lot of positive feedback about just the level of energy that I bring to TV. And, and probably there's a lot of negative too, who are like, dude, just shut up and take it down six notches. It's just what comes out, man. It's just, um, when a guitarist or a singer or whatever, just that's, that's how I play. And it with the weird things, Robert, I swear to God, if you were to go to my wife of almost 10 years and people have like, so what's it like at dinner? Does he ever shut up? I am at, at home. I don't say squat. I don't, I mean, I, I seriously, I'm, I, I'm a very laid back guy. I just got, I just got back a, a 40th birthday trip with four couples we went to mexico and it was fantastic like i'm the guy in the group who's like hey dude are you gonna say anything are you gonna add anything when i punch out that i go with like from a 50 on a scale of one to 10 to a two and i don't i'm not one of these um like maniacal coffee drinkers you know i don't i don't imbibe narcotics there's nothing to it it's just 
uh, when the light comes on, I'm like, wow. Uh, I think part of it, I'm not joking, and this is actually something substantive about how TV is made. Um, I feel with my background, the fact that I'm in the NFL network, I feel like I often have to validate my presence. Like I, I am on the same network talking about football with Kurt Warner and LaDainian Tomlinson and on and on and on. And I, I have nowhere near their credibility in terms of a resume. So I always feel like when it's me, I can't have mail-it-in moments where I say, yeah, you know, the Cowboys should be fine. A Dak Prescott, you know, I, I'm sure, give him the contract. Like everything I say I feel like has to either be interesting, fun, or at least really lively, or like the checks are going to stop clearing because I feel like I, I'm always in validation mode, even after three years almost on the show. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the three-year anniversary is this August, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the message I just gave everyone home is if you've never done anything worth putting on TV, just be really loud and you can keep your job. That's a terrible message, but that's what came out. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it works for me on the show because um, maybe, and maybe, I, I, I hope I'm not insulting uh, K Nate or, or Peter, but um, go on. I you, hope you are. Uh, well, so you just strike me as also the kind of person like when you wake up and I'm guessing that's got to be like four or five a.m. your local mm. time. Um, you're up and you're ready to go. And um, and maybe maybe Peter, uh, K and Nate, they don't strike me like that. And so the balance of your energy and their energy first thing in the morning. Uh, and by the way, like when I'm watching you guys, it's, it's 5 a.m. local for me. So, sure. uh, so I'm experiencing the energy that way. And, and, um, uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, Peter, Peter, K and Nate, they, they're, they're kind of still in my mode. You're, they're waking up and, and you're already awake. All right. So let me give you the breakdown. This is a perfect topic. Um, we've now been together. I, I don't know where it is. It's like almost 700 shows or something like that. And the breakdown in terms of the, the morning of the forecast members on our show, uh, which we all get up. I, I get up about 4.15, maybe the other guys around the same time. Uh, here it is. Uh, Kay is actually very – let's go to the morning meeting, which right now is at 5.30. It used to be at 5. Kay, very energetic, very locked in. She's a little pitter-patter of her little feet coming down the hallway or always buzzing about something. She, she's in. Um, Peter kind of is always like in fight mode. Like Peter always wants the show to be so good, and he's got like this – bucket like a scuba tank of iced coffee that's just sucking down like a fiend and he's always like why are we doing this segment like and i mean this really constructively like peter makes the show better uh in terms of where we're going editorially so he's always just like in fight mode like i, I feel like every every segment has to come in with brass knuckles because he's defending the show me uh i'm up i'm ready to roll i've, I've had a, a giant coffee I, I i've woken up before 5 a.m for like the last 11 years because i did it in my last job and then last on the depth chart the the only guy who's played one second in the NFL, Burleson, completely useless in the morning, <laughs> completely a waste of space, shouldn't even come to the morning meeting. You put him in that chair 30 seconds before the show starts, and he'll have something incredible to say. And if, I, wish I, could, I wish I could buzz him into this conversation right now. He, I, if I could catch him walking down the hall, I would. Nate is a, is a 10 on the air and a zero before the show. He's got nothing. Oh, I love so you. Tom, I, I said that, Robert, I, I, I will highlight it in the, in the podcast promotion. I, I might even add him and see what happens. Oh, you got to do it. And you, the best part is when he <laughs> offers nothing in the morning meeting and Schrager turns him is like, Nate, you want to speak up about this? We're talking about a wide receiver topic. Maybe you have something to offer. It's so funny. It's better than the show. But yeah, Nate, Nate <laughs> nah. is a game day player. He, he's not there for the walkthrough. I think I want to see the uh, I want to see the blooper reel for sure. And by the way, just so you'll know, I think I probably have the. Uh, 
the the Peter Schrager always in uh, fight mode uh, sens- yep. sensibility and uh, while guzzling while guzzling iced coffee. So so that is oh me. all day. I mean so, it's like it's it's like he gets itchy for it. And you think <laughs> oh I know coffee drinkers I know hey, we all do no no you uh, got to meet Schrager he's into it. <laughs> Hey, so you you mentioned you mentioned one of your previous gigs, and it's it's sort of a just bad timing on my part, uh, but it's a it's a hole in my resume with your experience uh, because uh, I you know I was once upon a time a, a pretty big Jim Rome fan, and oh, yeah? I've never really heard you talk about your experience with uh, on the on the Jim Rome show. What was that like for oh, you? I'd be happy to. It was fantastic. Um, there's so much to talk about because I was uh, I, I yeah, so you were a Jim producer, Rome. right? I mean, I want to yeah. I want yeah so. Sure. I, and I can tell you, I, I worked for him for over nine years and Jim has been unbelievably helpful for my career, like even for my life, like he's done massive, massive things for me. And in terms of the the industry part of it, um, the long story kind of short is in 2007, yeah, 2007, I was an unemployed actor living in the Valley in LA in a house that I had bought when I was 24. I was running out of money. Um, I was depressed. I was sleeping in my robe and waking up at noon and I just didn't really know what to do. And one morning, I guess it was one afternoon more likely, I woke up and I walked over and I picked up my Blackberry Curve and I got an email and out of the blue, zero uh, advance warning or I guess advance notice, there was an email from Jim Rome who at the time was doing the afternoon block on ESPN with Jim Rome was burning and with PTI and around the horn. And I think had the largest syndicated sports talk show in the world. And he emails me and says, um, I've read your blog. I had this little blog that I would BS about at the time. And he said, it's really good stuff. I got turned on to one of your college teammates, Ross Tucker, and uh, I'd like to meet with you. We're looking for someone to add to our team. I drive down to Orange County and meet with Jim. He says he had read a blog that I had written. Uh, randomly, I was in the gym. I went to um, <laughs> this Bally Total Fitness on Ventura Boulevard in Studio City, the crappiest gym ever. And one day, I was, I was jogging on the treadmill, and I looked to my right, and it's the person jogging on the treadmill next to me is Carl Lewis. And I look, and I'm like, holy shit, it's Carl Lewis. And then I happen to look at what speed he was doing, and I was doing a faster speed. So I'm like, I'm beating Carl Lewis right now. He's throttled down to like a 6.5, and I'm cranking it out at 7. I'm out running. The, I'm Ben Johnson without the steroids. So I did this whole blog about that. And Rome's like, I thought that was really funny. That's the kind of irreverent stuff that I like. And so then we, we hit it off and we joke and he brings me on as kind of like a junior producer and writer. Um, I'm literally like, it, it, it's, it's pretty nuts, man. This is why I say my resume is so weird. Two years prior, I was on NBC on Days of Our Lives with my shirt off doing love scenes and requiring dialogue. And then I find myself on Jim Rome's show and I'm screening text messages from Keith and Phoenix who has, you know, a thought on Steve Eiserman. I, like, it is, it could have been really humbling, but it allowed me to do a lot of creative stuff in terms of directing Jim to content and um, I built up and built up and became his head producer and his head man and then eventually I asked when he went on vacation could I start hosting the show I never hosted a radio show in my life it was hosting Jim for three hours no co-host no wacky Baba Booey producer on the air three hours live and did it a whole bunch of times went really well and it played a big part in finally getting me to NFL Network that's the shortest possible way I can tell the story that's, I promise that, you don't have to tell it it's a short story I, that is actually a great story. So, um, Thank you. how does your uh, how does your you know experience on the radio side in production 
inform kind of how you act as a TV guy? Does it at all, or is it do you, do tons? You, okay, so, so can tons. You t- uh, I hate to I hate to throw out the talk about. So let me try to uh, frame no. It, frame talk about I, what am I a journalism professor? <laughs> you can tell me to talk about. It. I don't care. I, I'm not one of these. I'm not one of these Syracuse guys, Robert. You can go to Andrew Siciliano <laughs> or uh, who Adam Shine. All those guys are classically trained. I'm an ignoramus. So talk about it. Um, here's the thing. My my job for years. And anybody who listens to this who wants to get in the industry or, or maybe is in the industry, it's, it's for, for years, every single morning I would wake up at 4 o'clock and I would have to look at what happened you know, in sports last night and I'd have to come in and I'd have to create really original angles to, you know, to pitch the gym and I would have to come up with takes, really. So that's all the sports industry is now. It's like this, this morning – when we're talking about this, you know, you, you, you have to have a really creative way to talk about Zion Williamson. You can't just say, wow, it's crazy. He didn't go to New York. And that's kind of disappointing. He went to New York. Like you have to have a whole deal of a way to pitch it and to make, maybe it's a metaphor or maybe it's, it's contrarian, whatever. I did that for nine years and not for myself, really, you know, for someone else, I would help him with it. So Every morning, three-hour live TV show, it gets really old talking about Kyler Murray for four straight months. So every morning, my burden is I have to come up with something original or a new way to say it. And having done that kind of below deck on on the ship for so many years put that muscle memory into me where now I can do it on my own ship. And if I had just come into this job and thrown on a live talk show and said, you know, what do you think about Sean McVay's contribution? Like I, 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 it would just be stock and there's nothing I detest more in what we do than someone just talking stock about football and saying things like, well, you know, the Cowboys really need to establish the run game. And by doing that, the safeties of the Eagles will be sucked in and then they can throw the pass over the top. I just, it's it's tedious to me. And at this point, 2019, like you have to make some kind of impact with something. So that's the burden every morning. And I think a lot of that comes from production and radio. Right. So uh, veer, veering uh, veering off the ranch a little bit, but let's uh, go. Uh, so um, I noticed this on Twitter quite a lot, and it's something that and it's I, I notice an aspect of it that is both good spirited and amusing. Uh, but there are other aspects to it as well. But the, the, you know, the sort of the NFL versus NBA beef, at least as I experience mm-hmm. it on my Twitter timeline, it's real beef with animus on both sides and both sides, like giving each other the business. Um, and, uh, clearly the NFL, you know, you know, wins, wins most of those poking wars, uh, in any, in any reasonable and rational discussion. But, um, what's the best way to have fun with that? I'm like trying to come up with a way to have fun with that that is actually yeah. fun and not mean-spirited. You know, I, I'm just kind of becoming aware of this. I've, I've always been aware of NBA Twitter for years because it's super colorful. And then I think it, I think it was this thing within the last week where someone, some publication had some take where NBA is now America's game and then everyone went nuts with it and was yes. retweeting it and everything. And, and to, to your point – to what the wheelhouse of what you do is like the America's game. Like this, it's one twentieth of the ratings of the people are watching. So, you know, where I come out is like, I didn't used to feel this way because I used to cover all sports. And now that it's just NFL, I get really, I think the word is almost like jingoistic, like about the NFL. Like, right. like this is my country. And right. I almost am, right. I have pride in the point where like, I'm ready to fight someone. And so, I'm thinking, like, I got irritated by it. I was like, so you're telling me, all right, 
Kawhi Leonard, this guy who has no personality whatsoever, hit a shot for a team that isn't even in America and wasn't on a championship round or even the semifinals, that's now America's game because he hit that and people oohed and odd over it? I mean, get the hell out of here. I, I Put Kawhi Leonard, in fact, put LeBron and put Steph, anybody, and, and give me a, I don't know, a four-string tight end on the Panthers and put them both on TV playing their sport and see who watches more. So you see this now, like, this little edge has come to my voice because I don't know, like, I, I'm now invested with the NFL. Like, the, those ratings that you put out and the quality of the games and the schedule like, I think those things might or might not send my kids to college. It's not just like I'm a fan anymore. Like, this is my company. Like, this this is my Google. This is my IBM. So, you know, when I, I think there's people in the media who they have that uh, schadenfreude for the NFL. Yes, they yes. like watching suffering, and yes. they get off on bad ratings. Oh, ratings was down 16% or this and this. I get defensive about that because it's funny to me. A lot of people who like writing those anti-NFL headlines – are on the NFL teat, and I don't understand why they would want to do that despite themselves because it's not even objective. I feel like sometimes they go out of their lane to do it. So you can tell, Robert, you asked the question here that's pissed me off in a good way. Well, I mean, so, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss your sensitivity to it. It's, it's the, it's, I, I think the people's sensitivity to it is real on both sides, although I will note that uh, I, do, I do see, including, including your, your boy, Peter Schrager, have some yeah. fun with uh, lobbing some bombs back at the other side. I, I get the sense that, the, that uh, you know, that, that Trags is not above you know, just tossing the bomb. Oh, over the no. He, I mean, he's the guy with the brass knuckles. Look, I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be the guy who wakes up in the morning and starts, I don't know how to say it, they're throwing shade at Worldwide Wob. You know, like, I'm, just, I'm not going to do that. I'm not interested in that, like, uh, Montague. You Capulet uh, sports <laughs> battle because there's another part of it, Robert, that I think is an interesting content. Like, I I detest Twitter beef. I, I absolutely detest it. Like, it's, we all love watching it, and it's fight, fight, fight in the lunchroom, and so and so is going back and forth. I just I, engaging in it to me is is being waterboarded. The, the idea of me tweeting back and forth with a media member, I, I would only do it if I really had no other choice and like my self-respect and dignity was being called out. But I hate it. And it's, it, it makes me frustrated when people who I respect do it because I just feel like they should be above it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you know how you uh, you're not above, for example, saying that, uh, you know, that uh, that that Nate is a 10 on the air, but he's worthless in the yep. mornings. So that's yep. sort of good natured beefing. Uh, sure. that, that aspect of it, I, I kind of like seeing the back and forth, uh, on both sides. But who's I, good okay. at it? What do you see, Rob? Tell me about uh, this. Who's, who's doing this? Cause I want to, I want to follow these people. I'm with you in that, um, a rising tide lifts all boats, I think. Uh, and I think yeah. that's true for sports as well. So I think generally NFL being up is good for the NBA and vice versa. Like interest in both sports is better for both sports somehow. I wonder that, you know, I was thinking about this this week because, you know, we, we like anybody else, especially now in the off season, we, we're beholden to the NFL. That is our content all day. And we try as hard as we can to swerve outside of lanes and reference the NBA or stranger things or whatever the hell it might be. But we always come back to the NFL. So, In the, in the spirit of that competition, it was interesting. I was watching the lottery go on, the NBA lottery, and they're down to the Final Four. And it's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's L.A., and it's New York, and it's Memphis, and it's New Orleans. Right. And I'm thinking, if New York gets Zion, or if L.A. gets Zion, but especially if New York, 
that's that's not good for us. That's not good for NFL Network. I don't think I don't think that's good for our show because then you got the 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 supernova in the biggest capital of the world and all those other morning shows who are not beholden to football. That's that could be 10 years of segments and screaming and debates whereas Sip him down to to New Orleans. Sure, he'll he'll matter, but not even close. So I found myself, in terms of an ambassador and a soldier for the NFL, jumping off the couch celebrating that he went to New Orleans because it would seem to me, if he was in New York, that might make it a lot harder for us. That's very interesting. So I I I kind of I totally understand where you're coming from and thinking about how like sort of a, a you know morning audience would shift around but I I wonder yeah. if that just doesn't wind up growing the more the morning audience by enough where it doesn't really matter and it's good for everyone but it's a uh, uh, no nobody knows but uh so so uh your your uh your response because it it was neither New York or LA was phew yeah, oh, I, listen, I was Tom Cruise on Oprah's couch. I, it was fantastic. I loved it because we see this all the time. Like, I, I, here's the thing. I don't, I don't sports gamble. It's just never been my thing. I'm not against it. I didn't give it up. I just never got the bug. Right. And, I, and I always feel to me, though, that, like, in a way, I do gamble since I make my living from the league talking about interesting content that when there's a game, a huge Monday night game, and let's say it's 40 to 3 or even worse, 13 to 3, and the ratings are terrible, I felt like I lost the bet. Now, Jimmy Trainer from SI and Hot Clicks and all the legend stuff that he's done thinks it's pathetic when I say that, Jake. And he's like, the worst game, the gamblers right now are rolling their eyes. Don't even tell me you're a gambler. However, this is what I mean. You, you hope so much for the content because you know it'll drive more people more than anything you could say. Perfect example is we're coming off, we're on the heels right now, three to four months of really the NFL draft is the biggest show in what we do. Right. And it's just, it, dude, it's so much Arizona Cardinals talk. It's a lot. And whatever, it's a great <laughs> franchise with good players. I just don't know how many people across the country right. are that titillated by Arizona Cardinals. I don't care who their quarterback or coach is. Right. It ain't the Cowboys. It's not even the Raiders. It's like, but we had to talk about it for months. So if it was something, maybe let's say um, a sexier franchise or just a more mass appealing franchise, there's probably a lot more people watching our show, but there's nothing we can do about it. So just kind of on the, uh, on the, the same lines of thinking uh, and going all the way back to your comments on uh, Zion as well. Um, what's, what's the hit to you guys, do you think, uh, as a result of the uh, the Jets and Giants not being particularly good for a while, yeah, it's tough. It's we're in New York, and the funny thing is, is we've been in New York for three years, and between the six teams, they've had one playoff game, and it was the boat game with Odell and Green Bay, and it was a nightmare. The teams have been terrible. So listen, what we say is, well, God, thank God we don't have to talk about the Knicks or the Mets. At least we can talk about these guys. Um, but it's it's tricky too because as it pertains to people watching the show and ratings, we also are, are very prideful. I think about it's not just wall to wall cowboys. It's right. not just Eagles and NFC East because I know there are shows in their networks that program their shows that way. And this is funny, Robert, because they might do better ratings because of that. I I, I believe there are studies that say. Listen, you could have the most fascinating, heartfelt, and authentic conversation you want, 
about the Jaguars, it doesn't matter. Right. You could uh, 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 an average Cowboys conversation will keep more people watching. So it becomes this question of, do you want to just serve the master and say this is a business? I want the highest ratings possible, or do you say I, I would rather take the ratings hit? and be a show that maybe is more liked but less rated because we talk about everybody's team. We'll talk about your Bengals. We'll talk about your Bills. I think there's a pride in us for that. Um, and, and so that's what we try to do, and that gets even to the next level of it, which is not just the topic you're talking about. It's the take on the topic. It'd be very easy to go and to say something that we don't really believe in, but damn, if it won't blow up Twitter and get people watching. There's a lot of people who make a lot of money on really successful shows doing that. I just don't have it in me, and I don't think my co-hosts do either. Right. So, you know, I, um, I, I take a lot of heat from uh, certain people in the industry about ever even talking about morning show studio ratings. Okay. So I'm not going to really talk about it that much from, from your perspective, but like, um, obviously I know you, you follow the ratings and stuff, but, but more, more interesting to me is, um, I, I get the sense that if there was such a thing as a rating just among the people who play or work for the NFL, like your ratings are through the roof. And so even mm -hmm. if, even if, you know, I, I'm going to make a number up, let's say a uh, hundred thousand people watched your show this morning, Yeah. you know, uh, but, the, but the, you know, as a percentage of the United States, that's not a high percentage, but as a percentage of the, the, the you know, the NFL players who might've been watching TV at the time, uh, my sense is that you guys get huge tune in. So how do you think about like who your, who your viewer is? Is it, is it me in El Paso, Texas? Is it, is it the players? Is it the coaches? Is it the people in the front offices? Is it all of us? That's an insightful question. Um, a, a couple of things first. You are right in that um, I don't know how many people in a sports bar or in their living room are watching, but we get some ones that really matter, like um, the coaches and the players, like Ron Rivera, the Panthers, texts us all the time. We love the show, watching every right. morning. Yesterday, you know, of all people, Matt Patricia, the Detroit Lions head coach, comes on because he tells us off the air, I love the show. I wanted to come on the show because of you guys. I don't do a lot of – I really don't really do shows. Even I mean, he trimmed his beard for you guys. I, he cleaned it up. I thought he looked fantastic. The guy looked like uh, the the general from 300. I mean, it was a sharp, sharp, uh, sharp beard. I, I, he did it for us. So I was flattered. And the players come in. They say, oh, yeah, the NFL Network's always on in the facility, in the training room, so we watch all the time. Now, as an aside, that can be bad because as one of the few people on the show gets really critical, sometimes they don't like me. But I don't care. If they, if they want to watch, that's fine. Um, I just think that – the special people who are watching, I guess, are, are what we do because, listen, I, I don't ever want to be the show that's liked, though, that's not successful. Like, there's a million freaks and geeks out there <laughs> with where the, well, the, the critics raved, but then it got beheaded after one season. So it's like I would love to just be this one that, oh, well, everybody likes the good little morning football show, but you know what? No one's watching. At the end of the day, we got to get people to watch, too. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with with all of that because you know I I know uh, and I know it was a result of uh, of uh, some of the the, the draft TV uh, negotiations, but uh, it was really cool to uh, to to see uh, Good Morning Football on ESPN too. Uh, how, how did Thanks you guys feel about that? Man. that? It was wild. It was it was so funny because 
first of all, I don't care what network you work for. If you're anywhere in our age range whatsoever, you grew up watching ESPN. I mean, I grew up, and I started thinking, I'm like, God, ESPN 2, and like, can we be in like a cool commercial where I'm in like the copy room with Charlie Steiner and uh, Alan Houston or somebody like that? I mean, I was having all these throwbacks to Dan Patrick walking around with Wally Zerbeck at work, and uh, you know, I was. It, it, we we all grew up ESPN, and we we grew up. Uh, Freddie Couples is on. It's just I was thrown back to my childhood and Chris Berman saying Jeff Brown Paper Bagwell. Like it's we <laughs> we compete with ESPN now, but like we were baptized in the church of ESPN. So it was really cool. I I, I was on ESPN too, and I it was I said, man, the last time I was on ESPN. I think it was about 2010, and I had to fill in on Jim Roma's burning because one of the panelists, Tom Friend, got stuck in traffic. So as a producer, I got to go and be in a segment. And I remember the segment was uh, it was about so much Lindsey Vaughn. Lindsey Vaughn was huge at the time. And are you part of the Vontourage? And then we segued into like. Can Steve Spurrier get the Gamecocks over the hump and rekindle that old Gator magic? That was the last time I was on any ESPN property, and now here we are all these years later talking about Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and everything. So it was a thrill. I mean, it really was. And we were making all these jokes about our favorite ESPN shows, and we were talking about Stump the Schwab and uh, <laughs> all those shows. We used to watch Page Two and Bill Simmons. So it was very cool, very good feedback from ESPN execs, and it was a strange thing that happened that it was like this crossover episode like there was a time once when murder she wrote did a crossover with the magnum pi and it's literally like angela lansbury like on a beach talking to Selleck, who's in a hawaiian shirt and like what the hell acid trip am i watching that kind of felt like good morning football on espn too yeah so uh i for, for what it's worth any any anyone who will listen to me i say hey i kind of like that if you could do that again a couple times a year that wouldn't be awful so i no um, i'm into it man whatever yeah. you want yeah. if you want to show us over to comedy central or spike if that's still thing i would love to do a, like network hopping like a bar crawl but i, I it, if they'll have us back we'd love to be there okay so before getting you out of here what is yeah. your favorite story that you feel like your producers aren't having your producers and co-hosts don't want to talk about it, but you have to work that you want to talk about so badly that, that, that you work hard to convince them. What's the story you're into that they're not? You're talking about the on air stuff. Like on, let's do this air. as a topic. Yep. On air right now or all time. Uh, both. Can you do both? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I think all time, I had a lot of fun with a few years back. It was the Patriots were going to the Super Bowl as usual. I think they were going against Atlanta and Chris Hogan was one of their players. And Chris Hogan has this really prestigious and successful lacrosse background. And I was like, listen, I went to college with so many lax bros as they're called, like so many lacrosse guys. Will you, can I just do a whole diatribe breaking down what a lax bro is? And you know, that they, they had a girlfriend named Taylor and a golden retriever named scout and they love Dave Matthews and they get in wall ball sessions after they string their spoon. Can I do a whole thing? And it, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And so, I mean, it was like a, six or seven minute thing and, and prime playoff time. And then we had Hogan come on the show and he broke it down and he was really cool about it and liked it. And That's then, awesome. you know, of course they went on to win the Super Bowl and like I drew a lot of heat from lax nation, but also a lot of laughs. So like that was, I was really, really pleased with that. Um, in terms of right now, it's funny, man. It's it's May fifteenth. The draft is over. We're, we're doing rookie mini camps. Um, 
it's tough. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I can't lie to you. The, this is not, wow, that Chiefs-Rams game last night was incredible. Let's talk about it for three hours. you got to look for stuff. Uh, you really do. Some of the stuff that we like the most that we, we try to get on the air right now, and we did some of it today, is there's an unbelievable wealth of retro stuff. Like, in, if it is May 15th, and as hot as we can get is Kellen Moore, the new coordinator of the Cowboys, says that he's going to add some wrinkles to the offense, which actually is okay. Would it not be better to show a clip from the 1997 quarterback competition where Dan Marino is taking target practice against Steve Bono and mic'd up during it, and we can just break it down like we're Randy and Jason Sklar on cheap seats? I, Schrager and I particularly <laughs> love all kinds of retro stuff. So right now that we are in the dog days of the – uh, off season, trying really hard to dive like Uncle Scrooge into the wealth that is NFL films that the Sable family created, and just find these weird odd gems, and that's what really gets us off now. I love it. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> that's good. So both as a uh, as a football fan and as a as a person uh, who works in the in the football media, what, what were your sort of general reactions to what happened with the AAF, and uh, how how are you feeling? I know you, I think you're a big wrestling fan. How are you feeling about the XFL? It's a great question. I mean, I remember vividly, man, I, that XFL, it came out and it was presented to us as, you know, the biggest downer in the world is after the Super Bowl. And you're like, oh, my God, it's seven months until a football game. So this is this is perfect. Yeah. This is I don't I don't even care if the football's terrible. I get to sit down and I get to watch football in the spring and I get to watch Keith Elias run the ball for the New York, New Jersey hitmen. I'm in. And on top of that, there's jacuzzis and they, they do crazy rules, like no fair catches and all that. So I thought, I remember thinking when I was a senior in high school or in college, right? I was a senior in college, that it was awesome. And then gone in the blink of an eye, he hate me, Tommy Maddox. We all remember that. So the answer about the AAF, I was very disappointed because it was fun. It, it was right. like, in a lot of ways, it was football. In a lot of ways, it was like a Madame Tussauds, like, wax museum. I'm like, are, are we really watching Trent Richardson? That guy is out there running people over. What kind of acid trip is this? And I really liked it. And it looked like the football was good. And it looked like it was physical as hell. And then you woke up one morning and was like, oh, not only is it gone, like, the players can't get home from their road trip because they can't get on a Southwest plane. Yeah. So I was very disappointed about that. And in terms of the XFL, I mean, I love pro wrestling and I love football. Um, I don't know what to expect. I, I don't know a lot about it. I know that Vince is doing his thing. And I think that I feel like an off-season football league is sort of like the NFL in L.A. Like, it has to happen eventually. It makes too much sense. It's too big of an opportunity. We're making people in March and April watch, you know, pitchers and catchers in the Cactus League and terrible home stretch NBA. There must be such an appetite for it. And yet, I don't know. They messed it up last time, the XFL. They messed it up 19 years ago. I don't know if there's a sustainability because I will say this. As much as we want it, we think we want it. Right. Like, we think we want that offseason football until we turn it in. And it's just like it's, it becomes too much of a good thing. And I think football fans are really snobs and really discerning about yeah. the level of play. So it's a little bit of a, like, I'm going to tune in and watch the premiere. But after that, I mean, come on, man. It's ridiculous. So I'll, I know that the first game for the XFL is going to be big. I want to see what the seventh game is going to be and the fifteenth game, if people really care. Yeah, I mean, so I think that uh, uh, the way that the XFL, the way that Vince is going about it, I mean, I think that they will get through their whole season and that they will play a championship game, and we'll at least get to see how it all shakes out. But I don't think we know, and uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to find out. But, but uh, for the sake of uh, 
of your spring programming. I, I hope uh, I hope they stick around for you. So uh, I'll get you out of here with this, a tough one, but you're used to it. Yeah, we got it. Uh, it's, today is uh, May 15th, 2019. So in yep. February 2020, what, what two teams are left and, and who wins? Um, the Patriots, because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm going to take a shot on the Chicago Bears. I really am. I'm going to take a shot on the Bears. Um, wow. Just because I see the way the league's going. And listen, I'm also, this is my burden too, right? I can't say, well, you know, the Patriots and the Rams, I think they'll get it there. No, I'm already going to play scratch with the Patriots just because it drives me crazy at this point when people don't pick them to the Super Bowl. But right. the Bears, I don't know, I see the way the league is going. You have to have really good pass rushers, a really, really inventive head coach, and a young, cheap quarterback. And they have all of those. And they, this is year two under Nagy. I think they're for real. And they lost their defensive coordinator, but they got Chuck Pagano. I think they can pick up the reins immediately. And let's not forget, I mean, like, they had the Eagles beat. You know, and the Eagles were really tough out last year. That ridiculous Cody Parkey, triple yep. doink, whatever it is. I really do believe in the Bears and their GM and their coach and everyone from top to bottom. Um, and look, the NFC playoffs are going to be a gauntlet. But if you ask me to take a shot on something, it's what we do. Take a shot. What do you think? <laughs> Half the time we completely miss. Last year, I took a shot on Derek Carr being the MVP. I looked like an idiot. <laughs> but I will go right now with the Chicago Bears to go to the Super Bowl for the NFC. And uh, and you have uh, the, the Patriots beating the Bears in the Super Bowl? Yes. Oh. Patriots over Bears. There it is. Just like it's 1986, January. Richard Dent, MVP. There, there, there should have been. Patriots should have won. <laughs> you, you're fixing history. There you go. I'm trying, man. Kyle Brandt, thank you for joining my podcast. I, it was a blast for me. Bob, it's awesome to be on. Uh, really impressed and supportive of what you do. I know it's a niche thing that you've worked really hard on and to put your blood, sweat, and tears in. I know that you're respected with people that I deal with in the industry. Um, kudos to you. I feel like uh, you and Fred Siegel at Freezing Cold Takes are really like the, the night's watch of the, the football <laughs> industry here in the NFL and sports industry. So thank you so much for having me on. It was a uh, thrill to be here.